I'm Steve. I'm the vicar of St. John's and uh, so excited by that news that um, uh, Thea will be coming to join us as a social minister here. She's an incredible woman. She's married to Joe, who is, as you heard, a um, uh, coming with her, funny enough, being married. Um, but he's a satellite engineer, not one of those ones which are very good, who put satellites, uh, dishes up, but actually satellites up. In the, so I'm looking forward to being wowed by the conversation. But uh, they're coming, uh, they're just waiting really for the uh, Diocese of Chichester to sort out their house. And that's why it's taking so long. But yeah, we're looking forward to Thea coming. We've got this month of vision um, that we're talking into. It's a month because, as I said in the morning, it takes me a month to work out what that vision might be. Um, but there's a vision that we're casting, and it's going to take a little bit of time as we cast it, me and Liz, as we pray into it, as we take space and time to do that. But um, what I really wanted to do tonight, and I've asked James to come and ask me some questions. Uh, i come a bit further back, don't I? Otherwise, I'll be looking around. I feel a bit nervous around the back. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Uh, just about, we're coming into land on a series about the pursuit of holiness, but we're not coming into land on that because that's a lifelong journey. So what does it mean next? And that's what we've kind of opened up today. So I'll hand over to you, James. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, well, I thought it would be interesting to start off by asking um, about that title of this sermon series that we're kind of just not wrapping up, but kind of moving out of, um, the pursuit of holiness. Because um, pursuit can feel like quite a uh, a, not a heavy word, but like a, a striving word, perhaps. We're pursuing after this holiness. And um, yeah, I don't know. I wonder what you wanted to say about that. Yeah, that word pursuit sounds like we've got a struggle and we've got to run after. You know, I've been involved in a previous career in a number of pursuits, and uh, they were quite uh, frantic as we chased after people. Uh, some people have done something wrong, some were just chased and for no apparent reason. But. Um, that pursuit sounds like we're chasing holiness down, and that's not the intention at all of that phrase. A, uh, Tozier uh, wrote a book uh, called The Pursuit of uh, Holiness, The Pursuit of God, and The Pursuit of His Character. What it actually means is we are, as people, there's a, and I you know, said this morning, our number one thing of human beings is to be loved. You know, that's what we seek. Whether you come to church or you don't, we desperately to be loved. Uh, and we either fill our life with those, but actually the pursuit of God, the pursuit of holiness is the pursuit of God, and the pursuit of God is his character. We are mm. desperate to know God. And that's what we're here at St. John's. We're going to go into our values, is to be hungry for Jesus, mm. hungry for his Holy Spirit, his presence, hungry God Father. And so we just, that pursuit is actually when we stop and think about it, we're chasing with all our energy in some ways. What he asks us to do is slow down, mm. go to a walking pace, and guess what? He's right beside us. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think when you come into, um, and we'll come on to uh, a little bit later about like what it means to kind of be, be close to God's holiness, I guess we'll talk a little bit about that. But um, you mentioned this morning, I like the phrase, raising the bar. I think that's kind of how I can kind of relate to holiness in that when I, you know, when I see and perhaps experience how holy God is, that makes me want to raise the bar. But actually, you said the bar's been taken away. Yeah, I think uh, for someone in life that the bar's been really quite high and still remains high in my own mind, and that's one of my crosses that I bear and have to work out. I think one of the things, you know, even say we've had a number of talks about sexuality. Actually, when you look at the teachings of Jesus... He raises the bar so high 
You know, you can't even look at another woman and it goes out. You can't, you know, it raises the bar so high. You cannot do that without him. Mm. And so he levels the playing field for us all. So if we're going to start poking the finger and, and saying to people, you've done that, you know, part of that is correction in the church. But the way we do it, if it comes from a judgmental heart, is we find out that the bar's been taken away because no one can get it. And the only way you can pursue God is with the Holy Spirit empowering you in your mm. life. Can't be from self-control. Can't be by willpower. Can't buy great talks and little sort of uh, do this point, one, two, three, four, five. The only way we can pursue God and holiness is by his power and in his presence and in his love. Yeah, yeah. And so in, um, yeah, in, in doing that, in pursuing God in his holiness, um, I guess we, we ask ourselves the question of um, who are we saying ourselves out to you said this morning um we talked about um yeah w- when you come into his, his holiness um you can't help but be changed and, and where are you being changed right and you want to be changed into leading into his mission and um yeah and so that's i guess what we're doing this this month is vision and that's like what our mission is here in crawley yeah so me and you know me and liz taken two weeks away from the church and done our holiday and a few days in between and we'd been away as well before that and um Five years, uh, church leadership can be either very lonely or you can disappoint lots of different people because they put their sort of trust and stall in you rather than in Jesus sometimes, but that's just nature. And there's, we're very busy, as anyone knows me. One of my, my Enneagram type, if you're into Enneagrams 3, I'm an achiever, driven. But actually, when we slow our pace, and uh, I've just recently done my... Ministerial development uh, uh, review with the uh, bishops and the archdeacons to say, you know, and uh, my 360 review forms that came back in from various people from different places was, oh, Steve's very driven, it's amazing, he's driving, you know, everything like that. But it's like, we wish he'd look after himself a little bit more and stop. And so we spent a little bit of two weeks just resting in that, me and Liz. And uh, Liz is always saying to me, like, you know, we need to stop and rest. And actually, I think the pursuit of holiness has taught me that we can preach a great series about um, being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, but, and doing what Jesus did. But that being with Jesus is crucial. Don't get me wrong. Some people just sit in the presence of God and do everything. I remember mm. listening this week to Rick Warren's uh, last preach at Saddleback. If anyone's listened to that or not listened to it, I would suggest you do. He preaches the same preach exactly word for word that he preached on 47 years before when there were 60 people in the room and he then did everything he said in that preach came true and one of the things he said is be doers of the word and so there's a balance to be had and he gave the example of reading a uh, diet book he said uh, if you want to be read the word he said it could be like you have you want to lose some weight so you read a diet book every day so I feel a lot better and then read the second chapter and feel, oh, so much better. You actually got to do something about it. But that can be a bit like the Bible. You can read it and go, oh, I feel better. Oh, I feel better. We've got to be doers. But sometimes I can flip to that doing uh, too much. And it's about being and then doing. So it's about our identity and mm. pursuit of holiness. So what does that kind of balance look like for you, Steve, of, of um, pursuing holiness, pursuing Jesus, but... Um, you know, not being that Enneagram three pursuit, but that that pursuit which is balance of, of being, becoming like Jesus through spending time with him in his presence, in his word and doing. What does that kind of look like? So really crucial to me with someone like me is my rhythms and routines. It's what we're going to suggest to all the pattern groups is to come on Wednesday evenings in this season. So if you're in a pattern group, or would like to be in a pattern group, come on Wednesday evenings on that character school. 
sort of evening because that's where we're going to really unpack that. For me, it's knowing my identity. So it's knowing that I'm loved foremost and we'll come on to that. And I know it's how I start my day. So I spoke this morning about identity, being intentional and being available. So it's about the rhythms and routines. So it's touch points with Jesus. So it's stopping throughout the day. So morning prayer. The examining, which is a thing we'd love to talk about are those evenings, 12 o'clock. It's uh, evening prayer, and it's uh, then prayer with Liz at the end of the day. But I've started very early with my quiet time, my Bible reading before. That's about five touch points. I'm not quite as holy as a Benedictine monk with a seven touch points. But I, I do five, and that keeps me balanced. I've now just changed my day off to Monday. So quite often Saturday was my day off, but I found that I was feeling guilty because there was either weddings or there was sermons to be written or those people have days off on Saturday and I can meet members of the parish on Saturday. So I spent this time of my preaching about the Sabbath, but then feeling guilty because something impinged on it. So I'm excited that directly after this service, me and Liz are driving down to a shepherd's hut and having a day off Very nice. with the Andersons. Oh, wow, that sounds cool. So, that's so, so sorry, yeah, so you are saying... Um, and, and yeah, it's going to become a bit of a refrain, right? But we're, we're coming from this place of knowing that we're loved. Yeah. And that's the kind of the starting point of it. Um, you said about knowing your identity in Jesus Christ. Can you expand a little bit more about all that? Yeah, I think it was really helpful. We went to a church over, you know, literally God is so gracious with us. And when we were off, I'll just flick into the Bible verse because we're using a slightly different version, the NIV, nearly infallible, uh, the new international version. Um, the... Uh, I was just praying when we were off and I was looking at my values and who I wanted to become and it was obviously looking at Jesus and gazing and it was like, oh, I need to find a podcast about identity and we walked into this church down in Swindon run by our lovely friend Joel and Kathy were away but one of the guys preached a great sermon about identity. I spent a whole morning looking for it and then sat in church and went, oh, thanks for that. And so it's good. And you, So we're going to just look at Isaiah 6 if you've got it on. In the Bible, Bible it's fine. It'll come on screen as well. Uh, but chapter 6, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne. I just was blown away by that phrase. They didn't mention it there, but I saw God. And I said, you know, I was like, I, I'm desperate to see God. Whatever it be, in his word, in his people, in the face of those that we minister to, in you guys, because his image is your, your bearer. I'm desperate to see God in worship and in prayer. That is my real passion, to see God working in my life and your life. And so I was just, you know, there's a, it, it then goes on to say, in the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. You know, some of that is just plain weird. Uh, but I think if we, the mystery and the, and the majesty of God is just beyond our minds. Mm. And so that seraphim flying around is like, oh my word, I don't, can't really got a language to explain it. But I guess if we stand in the presence of God, we haven't got a language to even explain it or even go to. Mm. Yeah. So if we had, he's no longer God because he's awesome and wonderful. Yeah. And those words, holy, 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 is how we started this series of the pursuit of holiness, that three times of perfect number in the Hebrew indicates you know that power we say every Eucharistic service of the nine holy 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 Lord is the God almighty and to know that God is that holy and I love the way this book of Isaiah you know this prophet that is foretaste of Jesus is absolutely undone undone in the presence of God 
And I think that's the reason we're using the version today. It's something that me and Phil, as we were talking about this series, as we talked about what was on our heart of the pursuit of holiness, and as, we, as people came and preached, and we saw time and time again, is when you meet God, and that's happened really powerful a number of times. It happens in worship, sometimes it happens in a preach, but really undone for me when I'm absolutely sobbing and beside myself. The word that's used in here is a little bit later, Woe to me, verse 5, I cried, I am ruined. I am desperate to be ruined by God. Not because I've got some you know, weird thing that's going on. I'm desperate to be in his presence, see his holiness, and know how awesome he is. And in that light, it shows how unworthy I am in the eyes of the world. And then what I love about Isaiah is he realizes that. He comes and presses into God. God then puts, uh, an angel comes and puts hot coals on his lips and he's made clean. And then he's available to be used out of the identity that despite his ruinness, despite his brokenness, despite the perfect nature of God, God loves him and God sends him. And I just needed to be reminded in the summer to stand in a church and go, I'm ruined by you. You love me and you send me. And so I think our job as Christians, as we talk about the vision of God in this place, is not to come up with a great strategic plan, which we have, but actually work out where God is moving daily in our lives, daily in this place of Crawley, work out where his mission is, and join other Christians, other churches together in that. So we've written something to get some money from the church commissioners, but I think I'd love to be ruined by God, picked up, made available, go out and preach the good news of Jesus Christ. Yeah, amazing. I mean, yeah, just to kind of, I don't know, I just feel like I want to have that replayed to me every time I think, you know, where is my identity setting? Because I just found that so helpful. Um, yeah, and, and, you, and you said as well, when we were talking uh, just before about um, being being available to intentionally share and that being part of your rhythm as well. So you, you're like knowing your identity in Christ, but also being available and intentional about how you do life with other people. You started to mention that as well. just to know. Yeah, it's something we're going to go on to the next few weeks is how do we, like next week's Alpha Sunday, but you know, part of Alpha Sunday is learning how to evangelize. Is actually learning that evangelism isn't going to go and convince people and beat them down with the politics in many ways. What it is, is listening to people's stories. Francis Schaeffer said that uh, evangelism is 55 minutes of listening and five minutes of truth and your story. And so it's working out how we become amazing listeners, story collectors, how we intentionally start in the day. I spoke to the staff day. Who's like me? If I start my day badly, the day goes badly. If I start it with God, it goes a lot better. So we're going to be talking about how we intentionally step into each day. How does your feet hit the floor in the morning? Is it in social media? Is it in tiredness? Is it in uh, the news and anxiety? Or is it with the word of God, with your Bible open and in prayer? And I think that intentionality then speaks. When you go and share out in the world, you're going, say, 55 minutes of listening. That one verse you've read in the morning will be the verse that you need to share with that person time and time again that happens to me start small start with one verse read it we'll talk about it a bit next week as well i'm going on to next week's preach a little bit but um read it uh really live it in your heart ask for an opportunity to share it from the holy spirit and then come home and journal just one line what happened yeah. and just see what happens slowly but surely 
Our faith isn't about building a quick building or building a church quickly. It's about organic growth. Mm. This is why we're talking about this not being the end of the pursuit of holiness. What's yeah. next is, oh, this pursuit of holiness. I've, we've given you, I've had the rucksack this morning. We've given you all the things to do this thing with. And we've given you all the tools. And we've filled up the rucksack. But it feels quite heavy. Because mm. I think the rucksack is full of our stuff still. And so I think before you can even use some of the stuff we've been talking about, you need to come and take some of the rubble that we carry. And that's the word spoken over you. Mm. That's what someone said about you. That's one, something you think someone said about you. That's uh, something you say about yourself. That might be the pursuit of money. That might be the pursuit of a relationship. And that might be the pursuit of lots of different things. But we've put a load of rubble in. And I just felt that as we preach sometimes, I can put too much on you and on me. And the bar is up here. And actually, when you know the bar's been taken away... You can't help but love Jesus and go with those things that we said. But the first thing is to take out the rubble and know our identity in Christ, mm. which is we are loved. Yeah, yeah. I, when I was um, kind of praying and, and preparing for today, um, one of the, the words that I felt um, that came to mind that I felt God t- uh, said to me was, like, remember my faithfulness and um, remember my promises. And I know, um, Steve, when you wake up, you have a list of promises that you, you speak over yourself that remind yourself that you're loved. And yeah, so in my journey, I, just, I open up the thing. You know, one of the things is, my story is, despite the world and having all the accolades, all the sort of uh, rank in the police, having a family, uh, being a dad, and different things like that, I felt deeply unworthy, but no one really knew. And so every day I say, I'm a child of God. You love me for who I am, not what I do. You care about me. And then I just list the promises of prophecy that people have spoken over me about Oaks of Righteousness, bringing up the next generation, seeing them grow. Hence, we're doing the character school. He's got to care desperately about the next generation because I messed up royally. And I don't want people to rest up royally too. And doing that kind of rhythm is what helps you to take these things out of your backpack as well. It's like you're putting in these promises every day because they're getting covered up by other stuff, I guess. Yeah, definitely. You've got to keep on doing it. It's an active thing. I think St. Augustine says that uh, if you're in your quiet times, where does your heart go to? So when you're alone, when no one's watching, what do you think about? Does it mean winning the lottery? Sometimes, and all the resources and all the good I do for Jesus with it. But sometimes it's about resourcing or money. Sometimes it's about relationships. And uh, before I was live, I you know, would always spend a lot of time thinking about relationships. And yeah, that would be where my heart would go to. Sometimes it's about arguments I had or disagreements or how I'd like to change someone. And I'd go there and I'd be in my quiet time saying the right things to them that changed their minds. And I'd win. And they'd come round. Or those moments when... I just wanted to linger in the pain and say, oh, woe me, and I need to be rescued if everyone knew that. And they're the quiet moments. And that's where our longings and desires are. My desire is, is often, that's why I have to keep short accounts, is my longings and desires want to be, I want to be Jesus. I want to, every time I have an empty thought, go, Jesus, Jesus. It doesn't happen all the time. Happens very little, but no, it doesn't happen always. But it's, I just want those longings and desires. I want to be ruined. That's my longings and desires, and that's the pursuit of holiness. So, I think that's the rubble we got to get out. You know, our burden is light. 
And all the stuff we're talking about, the pursuit of holiness, is not about heaviness to carry for us. It's about a relationship to develop and a person to follow. And it's Jesus. And when you know that, it changes everything. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. I think um, there's there's a bit in the in the marriage course, and I think Steve, you you say it maybe you say it at weddings or in marriage prep, but about um, how how love is 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 an action, right? And we've been saying um, know you're loved and like know in your head that you're loved, and all this kind of spiritual discipline or rhythm of almost reminding yourself that you are loved by God. Um, but but love is 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 a feeling as well, and I wonder if you could speak a little bit into that. That would be really like helpful when perhaps when we don't feel loved but we can speak over these promises that we know we loved i don't know yeah definitely that's why your rhythms and routines are really crucial yeah. in the dry time you know as a, a vicar in the church of england we do morning prayer and i know a lot of people come along and they come into the ministry and they go oh no i'm into like complete freedom in prayer and i and i get that and, and we are and there's like stuff to press into and there's different ways but the ancient path of what saying prayers regularly keep you leveled even in the dry times because there will be an internal and external struggles as Christians or as non-Christians we all experience. But how do we keep level? We keep coming back to his story. So scripture is crucial in that rhythm. We keep coming back to a conversation with a person and prayer is crucial. We keep bragging about God to God, which is worship. So if evangelism is bragging to people about Jesus, worship is bragging to God about God. And we've got to keep bragging to God about God. And it, something happens when that happens, both physically when we pray, we read his word, we remind ourselves of, our, uh, of his promises, we do it corporately. Something happens when we deliberately and intentionally, and he changes our mind. And time and time again, I will come back to you are loved. You are enough, Steve. The amount of times people have prayed that over me is good and faithful service. You are loved. That is my identity before anything else. Before I'm a vicar, before I'm a husband, before I'm a father, before I'm a friend, that's who I am. The devil will like to say lots of different other things about me, and the world would love to preach something else, but that's who I am. So you take everything away, I am loved, and that is enough. That is enough. Yeah, so so from there we go, and that's like kind of the starting point, right? Yeah. Knowing that you're loved and, and kind of understanding that, I guess. And then um, this morning you spoke about um, three things that when we know we're loved, there's these three things that come out of that. So power, passion, and rivers of grace you spoke about this morning. Yeah, I think it's that, you know, Romans, you know, you know our deepest desires, Romans 1, is about, you know, he writes the letter to all those in Rome who's, who are loved, to the beloved. And so that's open to us all. And then it says, don't be ashamed of the gospel, because the gospel carries that passion and that power. And we shouldn't be, so one of the principles that me and Liz planted this Revitalized project on was never be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because I've seen lots of different things. I've seen... When I was in the police and part of uh, the London Crime Squad and attached to parts of Operation Trident, I saw gangs all the time. And it broke my heart. And it, it won't be rocket science, but gangs are just people full of people desperate to belong and to be loved. We are seeing now in Crawley in the last few weeks significant gang movement on the high street. And I say that because I sit in a coffee shop and I've seen it and I've seen the surveillance teams knocking about because I know what I'm looking for. But we were having a coffee the other day with an Inca and uh, with Phil and it's like, there's something going on here. And so, but they are, 
I could look at them and go, they're made in the image of Christ. They look to belong and they need to be loved. They will stab someone and go 10 years because perversely they, they think they will be loved. And that's what the world is preaching. But Romans tells us that the only thing that will change people's lives like that and that mine and yours is the power of the gospel, is the power of our identity that we are loved. And that produces a passion. And that passion, we step into the world and we share. It's what we're going to be looking at on Wednesday evenings is what's our passion? How do we get that power? It's not some formula. It's a relationship with a person. It's Jesus. And then we tell people about the rivers of grace. That's what we read in Romans, about this grace upon grace upon grace. And something happens there. I love the Billy Graham quote that it's um, God's job to judge. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict. As followers of Jesus Christ, it's our job to love. So it's passion, it's power, and it's grace. I was just going back this summer with just that space, going back to that fundamental message that he spoke to me when I felt absolutely lost. And he spoke to me about worthiness, and in came power, passion, and grace. And it changes everything. It's what we should be talking about all the time. And I guess that leads nicely into communion, where we're going to go to in a minute, doesn't it? That kind of um, amazing act of love that, that Jesus did for us on the cross. But I wonder, before then, did you want to share that um, Martin Luther King quote from this morning? Yeah, it's you know we're just going into unpacking a little bit uh, about being loved. You know, you know, I think Descartes. I didn't say this morning, but Descartes says, uh, "I think, therefore I am," which is the Enlightenment, and then that means it's all about the mind. It's all about you know, it's all about us as Christians. We say, I am loved, and therefore I am. That's the first thing we know. I am loved, and therefore I am. And we will have ups and downs, but from that love carries that passion. I don't know if the quote's up there. I haven't got it written into my book. I'm just going to come up here. So this is the power of this love that we share. We must discover the power of God's love, the power, the redemptive power of love. This is Martin Luther King facing trials and tribulations in the civil rights movements, eventually costing his life. And when we discover that, we will be able to make this old world a new world. That's the power of transformation of the gospel. And it comes time and time again to knowing, are we loved? Because if we're not, there's things that happen when we're not loved. We become judgmental. We, come, we compare. And, and we become divisive. And you can see that on the internet all the time. But if we're really sure that we're loved, people can throw things at us and we come back in love. When we face uh, criticism for our faith and what we might believe, we are loved and we turn it back. And so I'm trying to be not just a prayer, but a living prayer every day, a living sacrifice. And that's what we think we're all called to do as Christians loving, being loved, loving others and going out on his mission. Yeah, that, I don't know about you guys, but I found that really helpful. Um, yeah, and that kind of, when I think about um, worship, uh, as I do quite a lot, obviously, um, I think about um, you know, that knowing that love. Is it Ephesians 3, I want to say, or 4, yeah. to know this love yeah. um, is a line? Um, and... Uh, and, and also John 4, and um, Jesus speaking to the Samaritan woman at the well, and he says, um, 
uh, you worship what you do not know, we worship what we know. Yeah. Um, that kind of knowing quite easily leads me into worship. I think when you were speaking before about um, the kind of the magnitude of God and not being able to understand it from that Isaiah um, 6 verse about the angels, that can lead me to a place of, of adoration and love because I'm worshipping a God that I can't understand. You know, you might be at Enneagram 3, I'm an Enneagram 5, which is all about knowing and understanding things. And to um, have a God which is bigger than big, uh, that leads me into a place of, of, of adoration. So yeah, and, and, and that starts with knowing that you're loved. As you've been saying, yeah, it's just you know, as we talked about this morning, our model is we withdraw, refill, and pour ourselves out. Mm. And some of us need to pour ourselves out more because you only know your journey. For me, I need to withdraw more and refill more, and then pour myself out. Mm. I think you look at the model of Jesus; as not a bad place to go in a church. And the, before his um, ministry, going into the wilderness, he withdrew and refilled, but he came with his baptism. Mm. You are my Son, my beloved, those words of Psalm 2 and Isaiah where the suffering servant and the king comes together. So he knows that it's going to be struggles internally and externally mm, in his yeah. journey. But before he does anything, he knows his identity. And before he faces the, the cross and Jerusalem, he goes the transfiguration up the mountain with some friends, encounters the presence of God, is ruined again and, uh, and knows that. And God speaks that over him again. Jesus needs to center himself time and time again. And he knows the end of the story. Yeah. You know, like even like the you know, the rising of Lazarus, you know, he knows that Lazarus is going to be risen, yet he weeps and he feels. Mm. Jesus comes back to his identity time and time again. We should come back to that, that we are loved. Yeah, yeah. Really cool. Yeah. Shall we lead into communion? Yeah. That's thanks, James. Thanks for That's asking. Right. You're very good at that. You're oh, very thank you. good, isn't he? He's very got kind. a gift in he? <laughs> I could chat for hours, as you could tell. <laughs> so, do you really, really, really know that? Can we say those words really, really quickly and say, yeah, I'm loved, yeah, 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 yeah. But do we actually let that sink into our hearts?